like, mm. it sucks as recording this. Villains and most villains in movies are my favorite characters. It does suck. Well, because it's that thing we were talking about before. You have me up until the solution is killing everybody. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. you know, it's like you're on the right track, but then like, no, we need to kill everyone. It's like, well, no, that's you were going somewhere, but then you just fell off a cliff. You know, which I think is probably, you can't say that about a lot of the fucking speakers. <laughs> Some of these speeches are tough hangs. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's all bullshit. The Democratic Party is the party of supposedly of diversity or what the fuck you want to call it. Yeah, but still most of the speakers are old white dudes. <laughs> you know, and it's like we still praise the same old white dudes. So uh, do you want to go ahead and just get started? Yeah, let's go get started. Well, welcome. Welcome to uh, another week. Week four, episode four. Know your roles. Hi. I'm Dave. George, I'm actually super excited about this week. Talk about like <laughs> things I enjoy, which is villains, and people who I don't enjoy, which is all of the speakers at the, the RNC this week. So, Yeah, I'm going to also talk about some politicians as well, and uh, I, don't, I don't enjoy them either. <laughs> this, <laughs> yeah, we're going we're gonna to get into it today. Uh, it's like a bad hang. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's not a good time for anyone. Um, but uh, the conventions they are going on. They they were we, the Democratic convention was last week, and uh, the this week is the Republican convention. I mean, it, it, yeah, it's, it's been four days. Today's, I think today is the fourth and final day. Yeah. Oh my God. Anyway, let's uh, let's start off with something a little different. What uh, what's on your bar today, George? What's going on? Uh, I'm going to talk about the book I'm currently reading, which is Remain in Love. came out at the end of July. It is written by Chris France, who is the drummer of The Talking Heads, who anybody knows me knows that. But it's one of my favorite bands of all time. I've seen David Byrne, I think, three times in concert. There's like a list of bands in which all of the members are still alive, but you would hope that they would get back together. They're probably either number one or number two on the list. Chris France, Tina, Tina Weymouth, his wife. It's basically a love letter to his wife. Usually music books, the first, like, uh, like the first few pages, like 30 to 50 pages, I'm not that into because it's, uh, whoever's writing it's their backstory. Boring, formulaic stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't really care about where you grew up and, like, who your best friend in middle school was. First love and, and high school. That's, but uh, I've, I've reached now the, the beginnings of the meat potatoes, and I guess what's in my bar today is... Never, I guess, either hear about the people you like or, or read about the people you like or even meet the people you love because they want to let you down. It, it seems like David Byrne, of course, the, the most famous member of the Talking Heads, seems a bit of a jerk off and that kind of stinks. I'm going to read uh, this is a, uh, so the story, their backstory is they all went to RISD together. Rhode Island. Cool design. This is from the end of one of the chapters and one of the beginnings of like the groundwork of like, Oh, man, this, this David Byrne character doesn't sound all that good. Oh, man. I'm not looking forward to you reading <laughs> this, but it's, at the same time... It's now, just, just bizarre. Not like, well, do that? you know, knowledge is power. Just because you don't yeah. know about these things doesn't mean that they happen, so it's better to just know about them. Right, so I'm just going to read like a, like a paragraph and a half. Like, basically, the, the backstory is Tina and Chris and David are seniors at RISD, and at the end of the senior year, there's this. Uh, they have like a a senior show, a great artwork, and all this other stuff. Chris's band was going to play at this show before they were the Talking Heads. There was like a set of band they were playing. But on campus, there was this, uh, there was uh, free cocktails. So everybody went to this free cocktails thing before the art show started. So it was like, all right, well, we're not going to play. We're just going to go have some few drinks, and we're going to come back after the free cocktails are over. So while they were gone, this is what happened. Chris France says in his book. I didn't find out what happened until, happened next until just a few years ago. As I've said, the show was, was hung so that the artwork was hung so that each artist was equally represented. When everyone else had left the building, David returned to the gallery and rehung the show that only his work was represented in the main front room. Mark's, Jeff's, and Naomi's work, the other artists that were featured, work was relegated to the side in the back rooms. And when you walked into the gallery, you would have thought this was David's solo show. <laughs> I'm like squirming in my seat this whole, that whole time. Uh, wow, 
That's yeah. There, there isn't, there isn't a way out of that one. Everybody left, and he made, he put all of his stuff in the main room. Wow. Yeah, he made it look like they were, they were like the side act, and he was the person that they were there to see. Which is so funny because you know, just the more you, I love the Talking Heads, and I love David Byrne's music, and especially living in New York for fifteen plus years, and he's a very. Uh, you know, New York person. He does a lot of different, he is. Yeah, yeah. different uh, things. He, you know, he, he's a very interesting person, but I have always associated the talking heads with him, with him completely. And I'm a, I'm a large fan of, of theirs, but uh, you know, I couldn't tell you that much about Tina Weymouth or, you know, and uh, I, from you telling that story, it makes me feel like, well, that's probably, that's something purpose because yeah yeah no, i mean this is the beginning they're not even a band yet he's already and chris francis got to be like what's up with this dude? but here's the best part the next paragraph and this is how the chapter ends as if this behavior was not bad enough david had not been an actual student at rizzi for three years <laughs> wow that is incredible that's some petty ass shit. <laughs> like he needed to. That's so funny. Wow. So he needed to have the validation of like the school system. That's so. Wow. David Byrne. Yeah. This is a 21 year old guy. So at the beginning, like the, basically what he's saying is I knew from the beginning this dude is might not be. Might not be all yeah. Well, that's. Yeah. It does suck. I'm capable of friendship this one. That's. Oof. Can you imagine if you were in school and this dude shows up when you're when you're showing your projects and he's like, you know what? I went to the school too three years ago, so I'm going to show my project with everybody else's. But I'm going to show mine first, and then you guys can just figure out how the rest of the order. You'd be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> Having went to film school, I can't imagine similar things to that <laughs> because there's a lot of fucking uh, pretension and, you know, look, look at me. Brutal. Look at- yeah, so, uh, yeah, that, that's that's a thing. <laughs> What's in your bar? I try to think about what I would talk about if I was behind a bar right now. And one thing I would definitely be pushing is, you know, in any downtime that you may have, I know we've kind of joked about we have so much time right now, but it's, it's one of those things that I, you may agree, even though it seems like there's so much time, it, like, evaporates really quickly, and, and it also seems like there's still so much shit to do. But... Just to take your mind off things, for for just a sec, when you have some downtime, I highly recommend the show Eco Challenge, the world's toughest race. This shit is insane. The first of all, the worst part about it, like the only bad part about it, is that it's on Amazon Prime, and go fuck Jeff Bezos, and we have to give him money to watch it. But whatever, my subscription's up in you know two months, and I'm trying to get it all out now and then cancel it. <laughs> Not not renewed. Don't click renew. But anyway, it's incredible. So what it is, is it's been gone for like 15 years or something like that, just as a television show. And Mark Burnett brought it back, the guy who does Survivor and shit. And, you know, say what you will about Survivor. I'm actually, I'm a fan of Survivor and I will defend it. The construct of the show is, and the trappings of like American reality shows is is bad, is not good, but the concept and like the interpersonal relationships that are on display and the object of the game is deception. That's awesome. But anyway, regardless, uh, Eco Challenge is legit. It's an adventure race. It's like 400 miles. This one is in Fiji. It's 400 miles race. Takes place over 11 days and rock climbing and hiking and rafting and all sorts of shit. And it's, it's incredible for the, the actual race itself, but it's also really good because it's done documentary style and you really get to know the teams and the teams themselves are fascinating. For example, Team Onyx, who is the first all African-American adventure racing team ever, which like oh, also... Retro Star and... Uh, <laughs> it's not Sticky Fingers and... Fingers? Although, yo, shout out to Onyx back in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, dude, I'll, the I'll second Onyx record is incredible. Yeah. i fuck with Onyx. Always, always got his ass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, adventure racing, it's like a thing. This challenge has been gone for a while, but it's these people that do hardcore, like, they, they there's a team called the Iron Cowboys, and they, these guys, 20 Ironmans, like, back to back to back. It's insane. These people are fucking insane. But the teams are incredible. There's a team called Team Endure. It, the teams are all teams of four. 
And then there's one member who's at the checkpoints giving support. They cook meals and stuff. And there's there's different legs. There's like four different legs. And each leg has all these different checkpoints. And you have to make them by a certain time to basically stay in the race. And there are all these race officials monitoring everything. And they have a command center. Because if you, it's one of those things that if you fuck up, you die. <laughs> you know, it's not like a, you have to get airlifted out if you get hurt. You know, so it's like they have to keep track of that. And everybody has like a camera operator with them. Well, not everybody, but a lot of the main teams have camera operators with them so they're like traveling with them but yeah team endure a father-son team who the father is like one of the best adventure racers ever but has been diagnosed with alzheimer's and the son could have been on a better team but he was like no fuck that i want to start my own team with my dad so i can help him through his last race i mean you know it the whole fucking thing Costa Rican team with a woman is like, we have to be careful in this part of the race, the rafting part, because 10 years ago, she ha she died and had to be brought back to life in a rafting race. And it's like, what? <laughs> this shit is crazy. So anyway, like I said, kind of, you know, get out of the news cycle and, and everything that's going on, which, you know, obviously everybody should be paying attention to. But at the same time, you have to, you have to like disconnect that at some point. But yeah. Eco Challenge, World Eco Challenge. It's so. Okay. It's. I'm telling you, it's. It's great television. That's what's on my bar. All right. Well, you wanna open it up and. Yeah, let's uh, get into it. The, the who. <laughs> the who and the what? Who is who the, and the what? This, who this is, is the who of what? So I was thinking we we go each to one and go back and forth. Cool. So yeah, we're talking uh, conventions and convention speakers. Real quickly, I just want to say one thing about conventions, especially if me and Jordan. I hope have the same kind of thing uh, after watching, you know, as many of these speeches as, as we could handle. Like you just can't handle that many of them. And, and partially because conventions largely it's pageantry, right? Like it's not hearing statements and speeches and stuff while they can be inspiring and helpful. They don't move the needle that much. It's about what people do. And, and also at these conventions, it's very easy for politicians to get on stage and talk about all these altruistic things that they want to do and that they're going to do. And then you look at what they have done in their career and it's the exact opposite of, of that. And so it's very – so everything just needs to be taken with a grain of salt and we're going to do that and try to have some fun with it. The one thing is weird. I watched – I think I watched like six speeches today and then like a couple of the guys that, that chose were going to – speaking tonight one thing that's weird it not being in, in an audience just seems odd because it's like it's very pro wrestling <laughs> if there's like no audience in pro wrestling you're like you almost like where's the heat coming yeah it seems uh it's very apparent how superficial it is oh yeah yeah now it's, yeah. it's it's definitely closer to pro wrestling and it's actually like a really good speech so uh do you want to start it off or let me start it off uh, why don't you start it off? Let's do Republicans and uh, what are you – you're taking Republicans and what are you comparing them to? Everything. It's all, I'm all over the board here and I'm going to start with uh, the McCloskeys who spoke on Tuesday, I believe, uh, for our listeners who don't know who they are. Mark and Patricia, they were the uh, barefooted couple in St. Louis. They were barefoot? They were barefoot. That when it guns, he had an assault rifle and she had a uh, pistol at – Black Lives Matter march that happened in St. Louis. They live in this old gated community in St. Louis. There's some accounts that are saying that like the people, the, the protesters broke the gate. They're they're saying that like uh, protesters saying that like the gate was actually open. Yeah, yes. Yeah. yeah. So racist white people who pointed guns at protesters. Right. The yeah. one thing that that is that it's that people are have not. I guess they've been talked about a little bit. Is the state of Missouri does allow open carry of firearms. As long as they don't, they're not used in a threatening manner. So what the McCloskeys did was actually illegal. Uh, they, they got sued, correctly. Yeah, yeah. It's the, the city seeks to search and seize their uh, their guns, both their guns, and they were charged, charged with unlawful uh, use of a weapon, which is a felony in the state of Missouri. Uh, of course, they sued the trustees. Uh, yeah, but they spoke on Tuesday, which is. Yeah, I mean, the fact that this is who the Republicans are getting, there's, we thought they were scraping the bottom of the barrel in 2016 when all they could get was Scott Baio. Yeah. And it's funny because in 2020, they got Scott Baio <laughs> and then these crazy fucking racist people. Yeah. I mean, not that. Yeah, the are, they're uh, personal injury lawyers, but they're, they're, they're bizarre, like in, in their, even their neighborhood. They, uh, they destroyed beehives along the outside of their northern wall. 
that were placed what? by a neighboring synagogue as a part of the children's outreach program. Oh my God. These, <laughs> these people are like, I can't wait to see who you compare them to. Oh, they, uh, they sued trustees to enforce the neighborhood. They only allow married couples to live in their neighborhood. So they're also, they've got a lot of things going on. Yeah, they seem um, like uh, superstar f- people. They portray uh, themselves as victims, which is uh, even, even odder because they were pointing guns at people who didn't have guns. Anyway, by comparison, I wanted to find a couple of, of evildoers. Not, not necessarily a husband and wife, but two people who are together. And the cop that I came up with was the Baroness and Destro from Cobra. <laughs> <laughs> Evil terrorists from the, the Cobra Alliance. Baroness and Destro together. The Baroness was a psychotic and her, the, the man she's with is Destro who's Terrorist. G.I. Joe. Yeah, the villains from <laughs> the Baroness and Destro. I love the like, I we need a producer show pictures of them. That's funny. I was obsessed with G.I. Joe's as a kid. I had like so I spent like all allowance money, chore money that I could get on, on G.I. Joe's. I think that's great because they don't deserve anyone better. Like no. they, they let's scrape the bottom of the barrel for you're, you're uh, like you're not even you're 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 a you're a Division two B B minus player. You're not even. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, go go back in your fucking hole, please. Yeah, I'm hoping that the dirty fish drag of 15 minutes of fame is just. I'm hoping that the rest of that is. Yeah, open. well, let's hope this podcast is the end of it. <laughs> anyway, the McCluskeys are the Baroness and Destro. Google that, kids. They were villains on. <laughs> 80s, 90s babies. Yeah. We'll, we'll remember. All right. So it's uh, it's my turn. I got Democrats, Democratic National Convention. You know, one of those things, I, I'm choosing to focus on the white guys who talked because the Democrats, you know, well, I mean, I said this before, but I'll say it again. Personally, I... There, I don't feel there's any choice for voting for Joe Biden. It's 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 uh, it is what it is. But my main point that I want to make is that when you're talking from a position of social justice or any kind of abolition of any of our systems that are in play, when we're talking about voting for the executive branch specifically, like still mostly old white men, and they don't necessarily have their finger on the pulse of what is going on on the streets and what people really want. And that's what we saw a lot of at the convention. And I want to compare them to good stat, bad team athletes. <laughs> this is a phenomenon that has been kind of talked about over the last few years. And I think there's honestly a couple different definitions for it. In my mind, one is that your numbers are good. You've been a good player based on your individual performances, but your teams have never won anything. Yeah, you don't impact on winning. Yeah, and but then there's I think then there's a, a further one where instead of just being individually good on a bad team, you, by your pursuit of individual good, actually make the team worse. And the first guy I want to talk about is John Kasich, <laughs> because John Kasich, if you don't remember, he's a Republican governor, former governor, and he he ran for president as a Republican. He's a Republican, lifelong Republican. Uh, he he ran for president. And, and it was very much like, I'm a Republican who's not a crazy racist. You know, it's like, well, I'm the best of the worst. Or And and in sports and in, in the Democratic Party in politics, there's this phenomenon of like, if we can just get this guy, if we can get this guy, if we can get him out of his scenario, if we can get him into a new thing. And John Kasich to me is them saying, look, we want to build a big tent and we want to co- uh, appeal to moderates. And if you really want to get into it, which we won't hear, but there's plenty of literature and research out there about this like you don't really win election by going after moderates you you win by going after people who are disillusioned and alexandria ocasio-cortez wins because she got people who've never voted before in their life to think that it mattered and, and that's like what they need to do and you don't do that by getting john Kasich. and you also don't build a great team by getting the marcus cousins john Kasich is the demarcus cousins good stats that team athletes. DeMarcus Cousins is another one of these guys who, and also I watched Kasich's speech, and this was the tenor of a lot of the Democratic speeches of the problems are all this dickhead in the White House, and once we get rid of him, it's a utopia, and blah, 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 which, you know, we all know that that's not true. But DeMarcus Cousins is a guy who always blames somebody else 
always. And, and like, he was one of those guys that he's known for big, brash, flamboyant displays after getting called for foul or technical foul or whatever. And there's a couple of times where I've seen this stuff happen. And because he's so demonstrative, yelling and screaming, I'm like, man, he must have a case. I, let's go and see it. And you watch it. And it's like, he didn't even, he clearly beat the shit out of the guy or he's asking for a foul that he didn't get touched at, at all. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he's John Kasich, a guy that seems like the best player on a bad team, but what does that really amount to? And right, at, right. at the end of the day, a hill of beans. Not exactly. Not chips, that's for sure. I like that because I'm not a, DeMarcus Cousins is not one of my favorite basketball players. Moving right along, my next choice is Kimberly Guilfoyle. Oof. She is described as uh, Donald Trump's cheerleader. In her speech, she called Biden Harris and the rest of the socialists. <laughs> I mean, I love it when they do that. Like, that uh, makes me, I'm like, where are those guys? Like, yes. is that, where is that Joe Biden? <laughs> as if they're in a band. Yeah, yeah. Biden Harris and the rest of the socialists. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, the daughter of Irish immigrant and a Puerto Rican mother. She wrote, she said in her speech, uh, President Trump's America, we light things up. We don't dim things down. I don't know what that means. <laughs> um, uh, uh, she's ex-wife of, which I didn't know, ex-wife of the governor of uh, California, Gavin Newsom. Yeah, which should make everybody think something differently about Gavin Newsom to be perfectly yeah, yeah, honest well, with you. Uh, it's probably like, yeah, I don't know. I don't yeah, know. let's not. Let's not. Weird. Was going to be uh, the press secretary, but turned in the job to, to be on TV. That says something a little bit about her. She said in her speech, they want to destroy America, which is a lot of very strange things to say and super dangerous. And it's funny that we started off this show talking about how these conventions have been a lot like pro wrestling. I decided to compare her to a former pro wrestler, Sensational Sherry. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. But. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, those are the 80s and 90s uh, for wrestling fans out there. Sensational Sherry was a heel, was a bad guy manager for Randy Savage, Shawn Michaels, and DiBiase. He wore these outrageous costumes. People were saying that uh, Gilfoyle's speech was big and loud and just too much. Sensational Sherry was that kind of manager. She would scream like, ah! She would get involved in the action, and then uh, she eventually loses to, uh, or gets beat up by, uh, I guess, uh, the good the good witch, Elizabeth, in uh, WrestleMania. I forget what WrestleMania it is, but if you saw a picture of Secession Sherry and you saw a promo, and you watched that six-minute, I watched all of that, you'll fall please. You're a fucking prince, man. It was not good. Yeah, anyway, you deserve it. Sherry, or Kimberly Gilfoyle. Oof, yeah, I'll buy it. Um, I va- your your description of of sensational Sherry. I, I do vaguely remember her. Uh, yeah, Kimberly Guilfoyle. You talking Dark about? Hair. Oh Jesus Christ! Or Faith Banks. She was crazy. The girl girlfriend. <laughs> that was her shit. Like stick is like I'm crazy. I'm on TV. Yeah, well, that's what so many of them stick is like. I can yell louder than you. Exactly. Oh God. Yeah. That, that's what that's what sensational Sherry was. R.I.P. Sensational Sherry. By the way. Pour out some, pour, pour some out for her. <laughs> um, all right, I'm going to uh, to move it along and continue with my good stats, bad team athletes with Democratic guys, and I'm going to talk about Pete Buttigieg, Mayor Pete. Now, Mayor Pete came in on a big ass hype train. I bet, including myself. I mean, I'm from Chicago, so. Uh, Pete Buttigieg is the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, which is very close to Chicago. So I, I had a little bit of familiarity with him. The third biggest city in uh, Indiana, by the way. Which is not saying Which is crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, um, so it's still a small, like a small town, essentially. Yeah, the mayor of the third biggest city in Indiana. is yeah. like, fuck it, I'm running yeah. for president. Yeah, yeah. It's like, <laughs> what the fuck makes you qualified? But yeah, he, he came in with a lot of hype and not that many people had known who the fuck he was, like, over a year ago. He's very young. He is openly gay. He's in the military. Those are some things, you know, he he, he is an advocate for gay rights, which, you know, that that's, that's all well and good. Uh, 
But I would say that he's a lot of bluster, another one of these guys. First of all, we, he doesn't have that much of a record to look at, but one of the biggest things about his political career so far is that as mayor of South Bend, Indiana, he there is, this might surprise you, rampant racism in the police department of South Bend, Indiana. Wow. Shocker. And uh, the police chief came to him with, with uh, reports, and, and what did he do? He fired the police chief. And there's, you know, that's that story is more involved than that. There's there's a lot going on in that. But any way you slice it, Pete Buttigieg does not look good. And so that reminded me of somebody who came in with a lot of hype. We talked last week about European players getting a reputation for being soft. That that is not warranted. But part of the reason European get the players get certain reputations is because we don't see them play. Nobody sees them play, especially back you know, 10, 15 years ago when we weren't watching YouTube clips and shit all the time of a lot of these guys. And so Pete Buttigieg is the Andrea Bargnani. <laughs> Andrea Bargnani, Italian player. I believe he was the, help me, George, the third pick He's in the his third draft. Pick that 2010 draft? Yeah. Um, being the third pick is the biggest accomplishment of his career because it was all downhill from there. He had one or two statistically good seasons, but his teams never did anything. He was never a contributor to winning. He did not have a very good pro career. He was pretty I bad. Am, I am uh, thoroughly embarrassed that the two of us said that uh, we may have to cut this part out and bring it back to right here because Andrea was uh, the number one pick in the 2006 draft. Oh, my God. He was the number one pick. Well, that's even more... That even tells you more. That's insane. He was the number one pick. In 10, he averaged 21 points. In 2011, he averaged 19. He, uh, his rookie year, he averaged 11. His, his stats didn't get better, but they they he got thrown a ton of money for the Knicks, and they, they went they kind of went down. He missed a lot of games. He was a guy that was billed that he was going to be like a 20 and 10 monster. He was going to be the new age, you know, the, the big guy who could shoot, who could be mobile, that we have now we're seeing now in the game but he wasn't it (laughs) he wasn't it i mean this is a guy who he's a seven footer and he never averaged more than like five rebounds a game didn't play the down low game but any seven footer should be getting more than five rebounds a game i i just remember i forgot he played for toronto yeah he's directed by the raptors yeah wow number one when number one in 2006 that's yeah, well, and Pete Buttigieg was the front runner for the nomination for, you know, a month or two. <laughs> yeah, so Andrea Bargnani, Pete Buttigieg, both right. uh, overhyped and uh, underperformers. <laughs> Underdelivered. Yeah. I'm going to do what I got a weird one here. I have chosen for my third one South Dakota Governor Christy Nome. Because one of the things I was, I was actually kind of impressed with her composure. She was very, she wasn't loud. She wasn't big. She just said a bunch of things that I found to be very dangerous. And you are also the governor of South Dakota. Not to the, the say anything bad about South Dakota. I've never been there. Probably a fine state. But in the grand scheme of things, it's like, <laughs> what, do, what do you know? Yeah, you don't. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's okay, George. That, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. want to be like a dick. I'm South Dakota probably lovely. Let me let me just say this. It may be lovely, but I don't want you to go there. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, like, uh, like uh, just don't go there. You said I found to be uh, a little dangerous, and uh, you need to be careful because some people will find that, uh, will believe that as truth, and then do awful things. Um, yeah, well, that's yeah. That America's founding principles are under attack. Democratic-run cities are being overrun by violent mobs. <sighs> this is this is the part I was like, what are you talking about? The yeah. violence is rampant. There's looting, chaos, destruction, and murder. People that can't afford the plea have fled, but the people that can't, good, hard-working Americans are left bend for themselves. Now, this is definitely like appealing to the, the middle of the country, thinking that cities like D.C. and Seattle and Portland and New York are basically something out of a goddamn <laughs> John Carpenter 80s movie, and we're all dying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or these protests are like these crazy riots and shit. Like, yeah, if yeah. you've been to any of these rallies or marches, you're going to see children and you're going to see dogs and, like, right, right. you know, the right. violence that happens is from the police. The, she thinks, uh, Chris Noman thinks she's saying the right thing, but she, she comes off as awful. So, 
I'm going to give her, giving the fact that her, her rhetoric is dangerous and you can't have things like that, I'm going to give her one of the best villains of all time, which is Nurse Ratchet. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> Nurse Ratchet did horrible things and nobody chucked her. She had superiors, but the fact that everything in order in the insane asylum, they, they kind of just like, yeah, whatever, we'll just, we'll just let it go. You're right on there because, yeah, that's great. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. That, first of all, just saying Nurse Ratchet as a villain, that was she is, that is, that's like right clicked in for me. And, and, yeah, uh, the two things that share in common is they both think they're doing the right thing. Yeah, and that's that was Ken Kesey's whole thing in part of the writing of that book was to show how like these systems fail us. Just throw them in the loony bin doesn't do anything for society. Like I was pretty proud of myself with that one. I was like, I, that's I yeah you're yeah you're doing solid A plus work. You've already made made connections between Thank you. fucking Cobra from GI Joe and Nurse Ratchet and shit like. Yeah. yeah, it's one of the best films of all time, too. So shout out to that actress who won the Oscar. I forget her name. The thing is, like, she's been working for like 12 years. And, like, she does that movie. Playing one of the most terrifying villains of all time. Like, I think Nurse Ratchet is, might be number one ahead of, like, a lot of other films. That Louise Fletcher. Louise, Louise Fletcher. Fletcher. Louise Fletcher. That's yes. Louise Fletcher. That, that character is incredible. All right, Agreed. you're next. Agreed. All right, so moving right along. Still, you know, we see that these are the guys who run for president, and these are the guys that the Democratic Party supports. Bloomberg, Mike Bloomberg, billionaire Mike Bloomberg, former mayor of New York, who decided that eight years weren't enough for him, and he changed the term limits because you could just do that. I mean, he had he had the council vote on it and, and whatnot, but still, why are there limits if then you can just change them because you have power and influence? Okay, anyway, he's somebody who especially as he's another one of these guys that he got on he he got his time first of all he got five fucking minutes to talk meanwhile alexandria ocasio-cortez got 90 seconds and like pretty pretty much all people of color got a lot less time than five the five minutes that bloomberg got to tell us stuff that we already know all stuff about the current administration that we already know we already know how terrible they are but He's another one of those guys who wanted to put everything on the past four years and that all the problems in this country can be uh, simplified into the past four years. And like even the Republicans, which we all know that it can't be. It's our whole political system is a problem. <laughs> it's not to say that there aren't people in it who are working towards it. But Bloomberg's not one of those guys. He His numbers were good as, as a mayor as far as... There's this whole fallacy of fiscal conservative, which is ridiculous. If your fiscal policies are hurting marginalized people, that's not a valid position. You know what I mean? Like if you're not for social justice also, like, but anyway, um, he's not really for social justice as we know being the architect world, the a big proponent of stop and frisk, which partially, which are, which partially led to our shitty current mayor being able to convince everybody that he was progressive and he was going to like stop these things and, and whatnot and like stop, stop and frisk by name, but police are still stopping and frisking people. <laughs> like it's still, still a thing. Numbers look good, but when you kind of peel level back, a lot of those numbers, because he privatized a lot of stuff in the city, he did a lot of things that are going to hurt us in the long term that helped us in the short term. And who is that in a good stats, bad team athlete? Philip Rivers. Michael Bloomberg is Philip Rivers, quarterback for the San Diego Chargers, the L, or LA Chargers now. But did he ju- he he changed teams, right? Yeah, he is an Indianapolis Colts. Oh, he's the Colts. Yes, twenty-five million dollars. And you know that's a great deal for the Colts, and he's going to be good for them. He's a you know looking up his numbers, they're insane. They're fucking insane. You can spin it. He's top ten all time. In yards, TDs, ratings, and completions. Top 10 all time. But he sure can. As impressive as that is. The man has played 22 years. Guess how many playoff games he's appeared in. He started. Seven. Well, it's more than... You're you're slightly under, but still not, not by much. It's 11. It's 11? He played 11 playoff games in 22 seasons. And for being a top 10... like. Yes, you need more than than one player, whatever. But if you're one of the best, he's never even been to a Super Bowl. Like he, no. he, he's it, 
for how good his talent is and how good his numbers are, he never won shit. Yeah, no, he's uh, to and me. Did he really make his team better? Yeah, no, to me, he's kind of like. There's the one thing that I was that was always bothering me about the Chargers is I, I it feels like every Sunday they're always down by like five points with no timeouts in forty seconds. I feel like it's every week. And the other thing is to me, he's kind of like Andy Roddick. He just happened to exist at the exact same time that three other motherfuckers were just better than him. And that's what it, that's what it was like. It was like Peyton Manning and Tom Brady were just better than him. You're right. They were. But he's good enough that, like, he's good enough that if he if he should have won one. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he should have won one. Yeah, there's that one year they were, like, 13-3 to three for a while. Yeah, yeah well. The like game product it just happened to be to, like. I agree. And Nadal and my boy Roger Federer. And then whatever other third motherfucker out there, whether it be Murray or and, Andy, Andy Sampras. Andy Roddick. At the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Andy Roddick is a good comparison because he's another one of those guys, too, that, like, uh, he I, – I don't know this. I don't I don't have any dirt on, on Andy Roddick or on Philip Rivers. But, like, I don't want to get to know Philip Rivers. Like, I don't think he's, like, the know. coolest dude. Like, he's a devout Christian, and he has, like, six kids and shit, and, like, he doesn't hurt. And he doesn't... Like nine. Oh, I thought he had six. Nah, well, he's got nine. Well, he's got a lot of kids. They go to practice in a fucking band. He's got a lot of kids. He doesn't curse or, like, anything like that. And it's like, I don't know, to me, you know, again, I have no idea. This guy, he may be the, the most, the sweetest angel in the world, but but when you like have all these things, like it's usually because you're hiding, yeah, <laughs> you're, pre- yeah, I, you're presenting something, you know. Uh, he's, he's, he's strange. Yeah. Uh, moving right along, uh, the guy I chose next as my fourth, my fourth pick, my fourth pick out of five. I, oddly enough, is not speaking to today, and I don't know much about him, but I find found his backstory to be very odd, and that is Jeff Van Drew. For those who don't know who Jeff Van Drew is. He is the U.S. House Representative of New Jersey, 2nd Congressional District. After meeting with Trump in the 2019, he switched his party affiliation from Democratic to Republican. And his quote was, this is who I am. It's who I always was. A racist? Yeah, it's bizarre. <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, refuses to wear a mask. People in North Jersey are saying that he is more interested in power and his future, and then he is into serving the people who have elected him. Oh, so uh, ra- a rare, rare politician like that. Huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's the he's he's a dude that's like uh, you know, you have to look out for him. But we're, one of those things where like, is the comp I have for him is if we don't, we're not careful to to become the other thing. Uh-oh. So the comp that I have for Mr. Jeff Andrew, who's speaking tonight, he was chosen by the the president to speak tonight, is Anakin Skywalker, not Darth Vader. But Anakin Skywalker. If he keeps going on this trajectory, he could possibly become Darth Vader. <laughs> right now, he's Anakin Skywalker. And he's Anakin Skywalker in the third movie, in which uh, Ian McGregor, Obi-Wan Kenobi says to him, he's like, you're supposed to unite all of us, not leave us in darkness. <laughs> yeah, well. That's been true. I don't know what you're going to be saying tonight, but... Some of the things I've read, uh, and he was uh, said that ble- drinking bleach is uh, like oh a way to cure uh, coronavirus, and he, doesn't re- he refuses to wear a mask. Yeah, a lot he of winners do. they got. But it obsessed, it obsessed with power, and the quote, this is who I am, <laughs> who I always was, some Anakin Skywalker shit. Yeah. Andrew, you're Anakin Skywalker. I hope, uh, I hope he's a better actor than... Hayden Christensen because <laughs> the Anakin Skywalker. This guy, he looks full of fucking shit. I liked. I really liked that you picked a lot of like you picked all characters I don't give a shit about. <laughs> <laughs> like characters that I'm like, yeah, fuck that character. Uh, you know, my congrats to uh, good staff, bad team, athletes, and I'm gonna I'm gonna bite off one one of those big, uh, powerful white men, uh, Bill Clinton, Billy Clint. William Jefferson coming this, at you. This fucking guy. <laughs> this fucking guy. Can't stay away. Yeah. Well, he's another one of these guys that I'm just like, yo, man, somebody needs to come and get him. Come and get him. And 
Yeah, I mean, because the more the more I see him in the public, I'm like, can these guy, this guy be taken down for all the shit? I mean, you know, you want to talk about, I don't know. There's a lot. There's a lot of shit. I would recommend everybody go and uh, listen to season two of Slow Burn, the Slate podcast, which really goes into the Clintons. And honestly, it was really illuminating for me on uh, how uh, the real victim in his impeachment and whatnot was Monica Lewinsky, and, and uh, how you know her life got ruined and it's amazing that she was able to persevere and now she has like a sense of humor about it and like yeah no she's an amazing a, twitter follower she's bad yeah she's badass um shout out to monica Lewinsky. I mean, shout out to monica oh she doesn't do interviews but check out the clinton affairs and she's all over that and she did that one interview with the john oliver i think like a year or so ago that's really phenomenal um yeah she's she's amazing yeah, but anyway, right when clinton affairs came out she did that she did that every too yeah, no, but a lot of people are divided on him. A lot of people see some of the thing, good things he did and, and are like, oh, well, you know, he's better than most or whatever. And then there's others of us who are, who are like, the good doesn't outweigh the bad. <laughs> and uh, that's why he's A-Rod, Alex Rodriguez, who to call a good stats bad team athlete is, a, oh, you could argue is maybe a little bit of a stretch. He won a championship with the Yankees. He was good that year that they won. He, he was very good in the playoffs. His numbers are some of the best all time. But uh played over 20 years. He won one championship. His numbers in the playoffs are terrible, except, except that one year that he won. Teammates generally didn't like him. Didn't like him. Bill Clinton's own wife doesn't like him. <laughs> Even though those Seattle teams, this this is another like good stats, bad team. He was with Seattle for the first seven years of his career and put up some great numbers. And there were some good teams, some other good players. Seven years, they only made the playoffs three of those years. They only won one series, I think, maybe two. And the year after he left, Seattle won 116 games, the most all-time in the regular season. <laughs> so the team was better. Like, this is one of the greatest players of all time, stats-wise. And his team was not only better when he left, they were the best team ever they had the best record in the regular season ever tied with uh, i believe the 1906 cubs uh at 116 games which is insane 116 games looks good on the surface but how much did they really impact and what did they really do and who were the people that they hurt and uh a-rod hurt a lot of yankees fans <laughs> way to wrap it up i'm gonna do one more this is a bonus for myself um, uh, we gotta, we gotta screw the man. We gotta Donald Trump. Uh, and I couldn't think of like what villain is the equivalent of Donald Trump. So I thought of just, just one thing. I didn't watch the show, but it won a lot of Emmys and I heard it was great. And, uh, Donald Trump is just Chernobyl. Just <laughs> Chernobyl. Just the nuclear plant disaster. That's it. I don't know anything about this. That <laughs> part of the show. Just a disaster part of the show. <laughs> I think that's totally fair. His, <laughs> his entire life is a is a nuclear disaster. Absolutely, nuclear plant disaster of that show. Just the Chernobyl part. Yeah, absolutely, and it affects so many people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though, yeah, and I also I think that's as much effort and energy as you put. Like I won't even say this motherfucker's name. We we know like we you got to pay attention to him and what he's doing, but like we know what his mo is, and. Uh, yeah, yeah. Any details, just like just the just the disaster. Part. Yeah, you don't need to know more about a nuclear disaster <laughs> other than other than you need to fucking run. Yeah, like, yeah. let's start running. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Well, wow. That was. Uh, I'm sweating. That was. Uh, we we got into it. I feel. Uh, yeah, that was good. It was good. Yeah, I feel good. Again, you know, when you're watching these conventions, just remember. It's it's not, like don't let it get you to the Republican one especially like you go insane if you put too much into it you know so only watch what you can handle and if you don't watch it don't feel any type of way because you can still be totally informed without watching these things like I said it's it's what they say they're gonna do it's not what they're gonna do or what they have even done so that's my uh, you know that's my crazy lefty pitch about conventions and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, I was uh, in preparation with this. I was like, I'll just watch the whole thing. 
in about I don't know about three seconds, and I was like, oh no 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 no. <laughs> yeah, you gave you gave you gave that two seconds more thought than I did. Yeah, I was like, God damn, there's a lot of these episodes. There's so, so it's like four out. Like it's also like it's four out. Like yeah, oh, oh. get the fuck out of here. <laughs> so I think we 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 go and like uh, wrap this thing up. What are you looking forward to this weekend? Well, you know, I think one of the things, I mean, I'm looking forward to, I don't know, we haven't really talked about basketball, but it's, I don't know what's going on. As we are right now, the players have voted to resume the season. They're going to resume, so, but we don't know what that looks like, so we don't know what basketball is going to be. Honestly, we don't really need to like talk about it too much uh, because it's a developing situation. I think it's one to watch. I think... You know, everybody should be, we support the play, whatever, if they want to, when they did not play yesterday, which was Wednesday, they made a large statement and I thought that was awesome. And I I just want to see where it goes. I I would like to see them kind of, you know, it would have been great if they were like, we're not going to play the rest of the fucking season unless this and this and this happens, you know, but, but, you know, I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and say I know what they should be doing with their platform or power or anything like that. I have no fucking idea. I don't know what they're going to do. But I look forward to, to, to watching it play out because sports, whether they should or not, they hold a lot of weight in this country. And it is inspiring to see these guys being like, we do have power and we're going to use it. So hopefully we get to continue to see that. I think what they're going to do is I think they're not going to play today. And I think it's just going to reschedule it the rest of the weekend. So I would like to think that I'm looking forward to some of the, some of the games. But uh, I want to get the plays out. And, uh, and, uh, hopefully it works out to all of our, all of our advantages. That they're able to. The fact that, I mean, they dominate the news, uh, the news cycle all day, I say, which is, which is a start. So. Totally. I mean, you know, like we said, using the, using the platform... That's to be commended, and now they have to, you know, continue to 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 learn and to to move it forward. Yeah, the uh, which was crazy is like I think the WNBA would have done it anyway, but I feel like one of the things that gets lost is a lot of folks don't give the WNBA enough credit for some of the things that they have done. Like I think they're kind of ahead of the NBA as far as some of the things that they have done. I am really uh, glad you said that, and. I don't think it's kind of. They definitely are way ahead of all other professional sports. I mean, they, they've been leading this charge for years. I mean, Maya Moore was a top five player in the league and stopped her whole career to try to get innocent black people out of jail. I mean, yeah. and off a of death row. I mean, once, once you see LeBron James or somebody like that in their prime being like, I'm not... And we did see, you know, Colin Kaepernick in football did, did a similar thing. But, like, once you see one of these NBA guys being like, I'm not playing until, and he's yeah. a star, then, you know, yeah, the WNBA. Shout out to them. Uh, the, only, the crazy thing I actually heard uh, last night, I was listening to a bunch of podcasts, is the, uh, the boycott of the yesterday's basketball games come on the four-year anniversary of Colin Kaepernick kneeling for, for the national anthem, which is, I'm not really sure what that even means as far as, like, cosmically. Feels significant, though. In it some, does feel significant. In, in some way, definitely. Well, it means that, you know, this is this is the progress. Like, it needs to, you know, hopefully to the athletes, they, you know, I mean, I think they are, they're, they're feeling it. They are, they're trying to learn and, and see what they can do with their, with their power and platform. And I think we all need to be grateful for that. And definitely... Yeah what you said about the WNBA. I mean, they, we, we need to look to them because they are some of the displays that they've been, I mean, yeah. Wow. They are, they're really leading the charge on a lot of that stuff. Yeah. No, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's actually kind of incredible. Um, we should watch more WNBA, NBA, NBA games anyway. So. Yes. A group seconded. Yeah. They're fun to watch. Uh, I think what am I looking for? It's like how this all plays out. It's like, goes down. So it's like, I don't think they're going to play today. But uh, I, they, they have voted to come back to, to figure, finish out the season. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, as much as I would love to, you know, have the temporary distraction of basketball games on, I did enjoy, I have enjoyed it the last few weeks. Yeah, they need to do whatever they feel is 
is their duty, you know, and, uh, yeah, definitely, I support that 100%, and I think you'd be really stupid and suing not to, I mean, you know, I, I, I'm sure you've had this, this kind of experience, but, you know, being sports fans, these opinions aren't always popular, and, you know, when you're talking about fighting for social justice and, and stuff like that, and, looking at some of the accounts that I follow on social media, like the sports accounts, and they post about this stuff, and then reading some of the comments, it's like, these people, you know, they're going to be speakers at next Republican convention. <laughs> because <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like some people, it's it's hard to, you know, especially being in New York and, and living, it's kind of somewhat of a bubble. Like, you got to remember that so many of these people are so ignorant about about things. And, 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 and I say that to say that I think that the more that the athletes do this kind of stuff, that's going to help that. It's going to help that because for so long, athletes in this country, especially athletes of color, have been told to shut up and have been told to not talk about this stuff. Nobody wants to hear about this stuff or, or whatever, um, you know, and that's bullshit. And, and it's, you know, uh, it's a sick, sick cycle that, that, uh, that, quells dissent, you know, and that's, and that's what capitalism does. But, uh, um, but, uh, yeah, more power to them. I hope they, uh, hope they continue to do it. We are going to look forward to, to how it all plays out. Yeah. I think, uh, I think that's Let's good. Let's do for it. Me. So yeah. America. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I'll look forward to, uh, staying safe and healthy. I think absolutely that's, you wear a mask over your fucking nose, please. All right. I'm gonna say every week until it's not not a thing anymore. It's like, yeah, I, yes, shout it. Sh- I I think you should shout at people. <laughs> I know. I mean, believe me, there's, like on the street. I, I would love to, but I mean, just yeah. don't don't. I look Jack in this jersey is because the jersey's too small. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, always walking on these streets yelling at people like I better better be ready to run too. Yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> cool. I think. Uh, that's it, brother. That's good on episode four. All right, later. You know the world of the rough stuff. You know the world of the rough stuff.